So, but for now, let's turn to Psalm 18. We're not going to read all of it. It's 50 verses. Psalm 18. And one of the things I want you to know is as we look at this, remember we sang that song, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and let the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. As you see that, you'll see that that's actually in this passage. That's two verses. So they reduced Psalm 18 to two verses. Um, and uh, anyways, so that's just a side note. So I want to read, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 18. And then we'll look at verses 25 through 50. So let's listen carefully to God's holy word. Psalm 18, for the director of music, of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of the song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears." Let's see. Do we have the scripture? Oh, okay. Okay. And then 20, verse 25. To the faithful you show yourself faithful. To the blameless you show yourself blameless. To the pure you show yourself pure. But to the devious you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. With your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield, and your right hand sustains me. Your help has made me great. You provide a broad path for my feet, so that my ankles do not give way. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as windblown dust. I trampled them like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know now serve me. Foreigners cower before me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. They all lose heart. 
They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and to his descendants forever. This is God's word. And let's pray. O Lord, our God, our rock, our strength, and our refuge, we thank you and praise you, O Lord, that in the times of trouble and difficulty, that we have a place to go, that we can seek you, that we can find in you our hope and delight and goodness and strength and deliverance and salvation and everything we need. And we thank you, O Lord, for the way you've blessed us. Thank you that you've given us meaningful work to do that you've brought friends into our lives, that you have given us uh, so many good things to enjoy, the beauty of the creation around us, good food to enjoy, times of, of friendship and fellowship, music and dance and art and, and books and stories. We praise you for all these things. And we thank you above all for your gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our salvation from the wrath of God and brought us into everlasting life so that we might praise you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to have a greater sense of you. Strengthen our faith, we pray, to believe in you all the more. Strengthen our love for one another and for you. Help us to grow. Help us to learn. Help us to continue to to put down the deeds of the flesh and to grow in the virtues that reflect the glory of God. I thank you for each person you brought here tonight. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray that whatever they're struggling with or whatever they're experiencing, that they would know your goodness and your care. I pray, O oh Lord, that they, would, that they would find in you a refuge today, that they would walk away from this place refreshed. I pray, O oh Lord, for our congregation and our friends who are here this summer who, uh, who come here We pray that you would bless them, whatever they're doing tonight. We pray that they might have a sense of you. But we thank you that we can gather, and we thank you that we can encourage each other. We pray that you bless and bless our kids on the other side. We pray that they might know your blessing today as they enjoy time together and with our teachers. We pray that they would learn more and more of the Word of God and that you would would bless them. And we thank you, O Lord, for, for the children you have blessed us with in this place. And we ask now, as we look at the Word of God tonight, we thank you that you have spoken to us. And as we consider its teachings, we pray, O Lord, that you would teach us, that you would continue to lead us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the problems that we can have in this life is success. And some of you may be saying, I would love to have that problem tonight. I would love to experience the problem of success. Um, and that's what we want to talk a little bit about tonight, is what do we do with and how do we handle success? So think about the varieties of ways that we can have success in this world. One of the ways is education. We can learn things. We can obtain degrees. 
We can have success in the academic world. We can be at the top of our class. We may develop talents that enable us to do things well, like Art Stump playing the piano, which is really great tonight, so thank you for that, and that are blessing to other people, or being able to, to sing, or talents like being able to host parties, or knowing how to travel, or knowing how to uh, create things, or make things beautiful, or cook. Uh, all these things are successes in our lives. We can also have success in relationships. And when we have friends, when we have family, where our, our, our marriages are good, or our children are doing well. We can also see this in our work. When we're able to do our job well, or we're able to gain quite a bit of money, we're able to get a return, or we're able to get satisfaction in the things that we do or advance in our job and gain a higher position. We can also see it in the church, that when we say the church is successful, we see the church doing well, people growing, people coming to Christ. We see people um, coming to know him, coming to be involved, coming to enjoy the, the church. And even in our spiritual life, we can experience success and we see that um, we have, have overcome some sinful habit or pattern of thinking and we grow in godliness. These are all ways that we can have success. But success is, is a good, you might say, is a good problem to have, but it presents its own problems. So what's, in fact, we can even say that in some ways, success can be one of the most dangerous things for human beings to experience. Because, um, because we can see, we might see when we're talking about the Psalms, we can see that certain emotions need an outlet. If we have anger, if we have worry, if we have sadness, we know we need to grieve, we need to cry, we need to find a comfort in our worries, we need to find a, a, a reason to what to do with the wrongs we've seen. But we might not see that we need an outlet for our joy, and that joy can also be a problem. Sometimes joy can be a problem when we experience joy that is not rooted in reality. In other words, we're happy and we think things are going well, but we're really headed towards a disaster. And we've all seen people like that. They're having a great time. My life is great. And they're headed towards, towards big problems and big trouble. But we can also let joy cause us to believe our own hype. We can make it cause us to believe that we're greater than we are. We let success go to our head. We overrate our strengths. We downplay our weaknesses. We can, um, we can begin to see that we can miss all the things that could have caused us failure and overplay the things that brought us success. And so oftentimes when we fail, we really think about it. But when we succeed, we don't think about it that much. And you can see this, for example, in our our the 2016 and 2020 uh, presidential elections in the United States. Basically, in 2016, a lot of people thought it was a done deal and that Hillary Clinton was just going to be the president of the United States. And President uh, Trump had hardly spent any money. I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, it's a lot more than you and I have, but compared to what people spend on these things, he'd barely spent any money. So well, how is he going to win? Well, what he did is he connected with a group of people 
that had been disenfranchised or had fell out of the system and not involved. He connected with them and he got them to vote, particularly in the Midwest, which turned several of those states from Democrat to Republican. And so he thought, I think, that that he was going to experience that again in 2020, that he would just have the same thing. But, you know, but here's the problem with success. You don't think as deeply about how to repeat the success. You just kind of take it for granted. Of course I'm going to succeed. But the Democrats thought of something different. What they realized is there's a lot of people who don't get out and vote, but who would vote if you brought the if you brought the, the ballot to them, you filled it out, you put it in the mail for them, and they'll vote. And they got way more people to do that. And so it turned the election the other direction. And the Republicans didn't do that. In both cases, it was a sense of success that caused them to miss the things that brought them to failure. And that's what can happen in our own lives. So how do we keep success from going to our own head? Well, this song gives us the answer, so let's look at it together. I want you to see here, um, in the in the sheet, you'll see the outline that I have here, the declaration, and then you'll see God, and then uh, God is strength, God is as refuge, and God as our strength, as the three points. So the declaration, you will notice that this psalm centers around two key statements about who God is. And um, I'm going to read them in English and Spanish to make sure I, we didn't have the words up there. Uh, the, so sorry we did not have the, the actual words up there so you could read them. So I'm going to say it in English and Spanish and hopefully that will help you follow everything I'm saying. So in verse 2, two it says, or verse 1, it says, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of salvation, my stronghold. And in Spanish, it's Te amo, Jehová, fortaleza mía, Jehová, roca mía, y castillo mío, y mi libertador. Dios mío, fortaleza mía, en él confiaré, mi escudo. Y la fuerza de mi salvación, mi alto refugio. And so, and then in verse 46, it says, The Lord lives, praise be to my rock, exalted be God my Savior. It says, Viva Jehová. I like that phrase. Viva Jehová. You know that song, La Canción? Viva Jehová. <laughs> it's a good song. I think tú me presentaste. <laughs> es la canción. Viva Jehová y bendita sea mi roca y enaltecido sea el Dios de mi salvación. And so those are the two key statements. Um, las frases más importantes en este, este salmo. And so he says, first of all, Jehovah, te amo. I love you. I love you, Lord, my strength. And we know that that is where we should, when we think of the Lord, that's our highest duty to the Lord. To love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And so he declares, I do love you. 
I want to be in communion with you. I want to know you. I think highly of you. And I care about you, O Lord. And he gives two reasons for the love. The first is that God is his strength. Listen, he says, I love you, Lord, my strength. So he says, God is the source of his strength, his fortaleza. He's the one who gives us the power to love, to work, to serve, to get wealth, and to grow. In him we live and move and have our being. So what he's saying is, you are the one that enables me to do the things that I do. You are the Lord. I love you, Lord, my strength. You enable me to do things positively. You enable me to accomplish things. You enable me to do things. But then secondly, he says, this word is key, refugio, refuge. It's all over in the Psalms. Refugio, refuge, it's everywhere. God is my refuge. And he says it in a lot of different ways. He's like his fortress. He's he's like an army fort. He's my deliverer. He's one that saves me out of problems. He's my rock. I can hide in him or you can say stand on him above the troubles in whom I take refuge. He says it again. He's my shield. He defends me. He's the horn of my salvation. In other words, the strength that rises up to deliver. He is my stronghold, the place where you can go and stand against the enemy and is not able to attack you. And so God is his strength and God is his his refuge. And when we say he's our refuge, it means that we find in him our security and our help. When we have problems, when we're scared, that we can go to him and know that he's going to protect us and he is going to help us because he is our refuge. And so we take refuge in him because we rest on him to help us. When, we struggle, when we're struggling, we have a place to go, to the Lord. The second declaration is in verse 46. Viva Jehová, the Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, my Savior. And what he's saying is here that he, he knew God lives. He's saying the Lord lives. And in the Spanish, it gives a slight different, like, long may he reign. Like he's the king. We want him to live. And, and live and prosper and everything be blessed in every way. But I think what he's saying here is, um, is the idea that he's seeing that God is alive. He's seen God acting in his life. And so and that's why he says, praise be to my rock. Pray, exalted be God, my Savior. And so, now, this is true in the abstract that God is our strength. He's the one who enables us, us to do things. And he's our refuge, the ones who defends us from bad things. But in 2 in Samuel 23, and what we have actually here in Psalm 18, we have the context of this psalm. In the beginning, it says, Of David, the servant of the Lord, he sang to the Lord the words of this song <clears throat> when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, and from the hand of Saul. So let me read that again in Spanish. Es el contexto del Salmo. Salmo de David, siervo de Jehová, el cual dirigió a Jehová las palabras de este cántico el día 
que le libró Jehová de mano de todos sus enemigos e, y de mano de Saúl. So, entonces, there were things that happened that to him, problems, and the Lord delivered him from them in specific events. And that's what I want us to talk about. So let's talk about the second thing is let's expand on the idea of God as our refuge based on the life of David, okay? Now, David describes his troubles in verses 3 through 6. He says he calls on the Lord who enables him to be saved from his enemies. But he says, the cords of death entangled me. It's like death was wrapping around him. And he says, the torrents of destruction overwhelm me. It's like water coming over his head. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. And so in my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. Now, David faced many threats, many amenazas, but the biggest one was Saul. That took most of his life, and he was in the most danger. He had to remember, he had to flee from Saul. He grabbed the sword of Goliath, and he went to Achish, king of the Philistines, his enemy, who had killed a bunch of them. And he got so scared, he acted insane, loco, in order to, to get out of that situation. He had to hide in the wilderness. All his men were inside a cave. He had to hide his family. He, was, he never knew if he could stay in the same place. He had to run from Saul. And he had to see what Saul was doing, which was all kinds of things like killing the priests, like, um, like abandoning the, the defenses of Israel, all while he's running from him. And he had very little ability to oppose him. He had the whole nation against him. So he had to run for his life. There's one time, remember, where Saul was on one side of the mountain, David's on the other side, and they're going like this. And then Saul got called away. And so look at what he says in 48 verse B. That he was, he said, you exalted me above my foes. From a violent man, you rescued me. From a violent man, you rescued me. And that's what he was facing. And it's interesting, he saw that God was his refuge. Now, um, many people live in parts of the world where they face violent threats on a regular basis. They, they don't know if they may be attacked. Now, we in the United States can have this at times. But we are definitely blessed to have a considerable level of security. Uh, but even here, at times, we can have this sense of threat. I remember someone shared with me a few years ago that he was, uh, he was working in the prison. And he did something that one of the prisoners did not like. And one of the prisoners said to him, When I get out of the prison, I'm going to come after your family. And it scared him to death. And it scared him to death. And we talked about that. 
And uh, he had to really work through that. And um, he had to experience what that was like. But you know what happened to him? Nothing. Nothing happened. And I think looking back on that to see, I was afraid of this violent man. And the Lord was my refuge. He delivered me. I was thinking about um, my buddy Bob Kemp, who was an elder at my previous church. Um, and he told me he was in the Vietnam War. And what he was was a communications officer. And he, he, and you know what happens to a communications officer, the one carrying the communications equipment? They get shot. And he thought about his platoon, and almost every single one of the communications officers was killed because they're the first target. And he made it out. And I think he must have often said, the Lord delivered me, you know, in a miraculous way and saved me from violent people. But I think above all, when we think about the deliverance, we deserve the wrath of God. But God has poured it out on Jesus. And so God is our refuge. So everyone who comes to Jesus has a refuge from the wrath of God, and their sins are forgiven, their sins are covered, so that every single one of us who believes in Jesus can say that he is my refuge. In him alone, I have deliverance from what my sins rightfully would have brought me, the wrath of God, and I stand forgiven and justified. He's my deliverer and my rock and salvation. I think David, too, at the end of his life, as he sang this song over and over again, because that's what it is. He sang it over and over again. He must have said, man, I wa- I, over and over again, I thought I was going to be done for. You know, he knew the promise of God, but still it's scary when someone's trying to kill you, which was what it was happening. And he said, he must have thought, all those times I was afraid, and the Lord protected me, and he was my refuge. And he saved me from the violent man. And look back on his life and say, I didn't see it at the time, but the Lord was with me. The Lord was delivering me. That's the basis of this song. So I wonder, how has the Lord delivered you? Where have you felt a big threat in your life and seen the Lord just deliver you out of it? These are the things we should remember And continually sing praise to the Lord so that we remember that God is our refuge. But God not only protects us from things outside of us, He also gives us power inside of us to do things that we wouldn't be able to do otherwise. He is the one who gives us strength. That's what He says at the beginning I love you, Lord, my strength. Now, David was very successful in terms of what a king should do. Israel had experienced defeat for a long time. Read the book of Judges and read the beginning of 1 Samuel. And you will see that they had lost over and over and over again. When Saul came to power, basically Israel was underneath the domination of Philistia. And they had been for a long, long time. Philistia was powerful, and they basically 
controlled at least the southern part of the nation of Israel. And that's one reason they wanted to have a king to say, we're tired of losing. (laughs) We want to have victory. And so Saul did begin that, but he had some mixed results and he got totally distracted by chasing after David so that David's fighting the Philistines even while he's being chased by Saul. And Saul's just sitting there waiting to find David. So it didn't work out that well. But David had dramatic success. Dramatic success. He conquered the city of Jerusalem and made it his capital and got everything ready for the temple to be built by his son and built his palace. He defeated the Philistines so that the situation was reversed and the Philistines are more under the domination of Israel instead of him. And then if you read um, 2 Samuel chapter 8, um, you will see that, that there was enemy after enemy after enemy and David beat one after another. He was wildly successful. He experienced tremendous success. It says in 2 Samuel 18, verse 14, the Lord gave Dick, David victory wherever he went. The Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And so how did David keep all this success from going to his head? Well, what he recognized was that it was not by his own strength. He says, I love you, Lord, my strength. It's not my strength that has done it, but the Lord is my strength. And so he sang about it. And he kept singing about it. Psalm 18. He describes God as the one who would take, turn the darkness into light. In verse 28. Listen to what he says in verse 29. With your help, O God, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. So how does he defeat the enemies? It is the strength of God. That is how, do, how is he able to fight? Look at this into verses 32 through 34. It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He causes me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You make your saving help my shield. So how was David able to fight? He didn't give himself the credit. He says it's the strength of God. He wasn't saying, here, I'm able to do this because along came the best king anybody could have, me. He said, it's God who enabled me to do this. He brought me out of the... From, the, from the, being a shepherd out in the wilderness as the youngest of kids to see me on the throne, I didn't deserve it, and he gave me the strength to do it. And, he, and through him he defeated his enemies. He said in verse 39, You armed me with strength for battle. You humbled my adversaries before me. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight, and I destroyed my foes. You made, me, you made them do it. You brought them before me. Notice he gives God the credit for it all. And so this teaches us what we need to do with the successes in our lives. We need an outlet for the successes in our lives, for the emotion of joy and satisfaction that it brings. And that proper outlet 
is to give thanks to God for the blessings that he has given us that we do not deserve. Like the Apostle Paul says, he has this, I worked more than all the other apostles, which is true. He did more. But he says, but not I, but the grace of God within me. And that's what we should all say. It is not I, but Christ within me. If we have anything of good, it is a gift of God. We owe it to him. We owe him thanks. We owe him love. We owe him adoration. It is, it is the power of God. It is the power of the resurrection of Christ. It is why we say that in him we can do all things. And that's why we say, I love you, Lord, my strength. Oh. And I have some lessons, so I'll try to remember them because I didn't print out the third page. So, so basically, though, I think what I, what I want to say, you say to you to do is to think about, do think about the good things in your life. You know, all of us probably have more good things in our lives than we tend to see because the good things tend to get just quickly moved out of our mind and we focus on the bad things. But to see the good things, appreciate the successes. But the key thing is to give thanks to God. And what that will do is that will help us to keep humble. We'll recognize that we're not the source of all these things. If we have success in, in our lives, it's not because we, have, we are, have merited it, because we're so much better, because we're so much wiser. You know, it's, it's a truly a humbling thing to travel in the rest of the world. Because it's like, I go from being like, at best, in the middle of the pack. At best, in the middle of the pack in terms of where I am socially. To all of a sudden, you're like the rich when you go to many of these countries. And you can afford things that you couldn't afford, and it's just much easier. And it's like, what did I do to deserve to be born here? (laughs) Nothing. This is not because I'm better in any way. It was like just simply God's gift that he gave me to be born here. Now there's many, I'm not saying like it's not a gift to be born elsewhere. There's things that I've learned from other cultures that I think we could learn in gifts. And so I'm not just saying we're superior or anything. But just that we have the amount of things we have is an incredible blessing. You know, and I think like um, for our students here, you know, the blessing you have to be here. I know many people want, would want to come here and work, right, in the summer. Why are you here and not others? It's the blessing, it's the blessing of God, right? It's, it's, a, it's a blessing. And it's a blessing to us to have you here, too. You are a blessing to us that we can have you here and know you. And it's a blessing to our, to our nation and our community. And so, but in so many ways, the things that we enjoy... We, we see that they're from God. And we need, so we need to be humble about it. And when we give praise to God, it helps us to see things in right perspective. Helps us to humble us so we won't make too much of our, we won't believe our own hype. We will not make too much of these things. We'll see more of the things that could have caused us to fail. We'll be grateful for the way that the Lord has led us. And so as we give count of those things, then that's what will enable us to handle our success in, in a better way that will probably contribute to more success in the providence of God because we're paying attention more to his gifts and to what he has, has for us. And 
at any rate, we'll find joy in Him because we'll see all of His gifts and we'll see all these things and it will cause us to say, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Praise be to the God of my salvation. Amen.